First John chapter 2. I want to preach to you a gospel message this morning. I want to preach to you about the advocacy of Jesus Christ the righteous. A little bit tight in here this morning. Not sure what that's all about. I don't know if you're afraid or scared what's going on in the world today. Of course, it's been going on for a long time. Should just about be used to it now. But it'd be all right. <clears throat> it might be that you've been more influenced by your television than you've been influenced by preaching or by the Word of God or by prayer. You can get that fixed, and you should. You should get that fixed. It'll help you. You're not going to have any peace by watching more television than you are reading your Bible. That's right. That's very true. You're not going to have peace by sitting down in front of the stupid box for three hours a day and reading 15 minutes of your Bible or praying 15 minutes a day. It just ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. You say, how do you know? Because I'm a man just like you are. I get affected by the news too. Yes, sir. So what do you do? Turn it off and pray. <clears throat> Amen. It started in Sunday school, so I'm going to ride this horse all the way into the ground. Let me just say this. Some of you folks troubled about stuff that's going on in the world and your country, and you should be, you should be, you should be troubled. But... You ain't got no business being troubled if you ain't going to pray about it. <clears throat> pray about it, man. <laughs> or sit there and just be stoned out of your mind like you just got done with a joint. At least, uh, yeah, at, at, least, at least you'd be lightheaded and easy-minded that way. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Of course, what you might need to do is get saved this morning. Salvation will take care of a lot of things. Take care of a lot of things. Let's get into the message this morning. First John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Lord, help us this morning. God, I pray. I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to preach straight. God, to preach honest. Lord, to say everything that needs to be said, nothing more, nothing less. Pray you help me, Lord, to watch my attitude, God. But, Lord, I pray that you'd help me, God, to come across exactly, Lord, as needs to be come across. And, Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The advocacy of Jesus Christ the righteous. You need an advocate. <clears throat> you need an advocate. You say, why? Because you can't get to God by yourself. You're not going to get to God by yourself. I think what a lot of Christians are doing is they're trying. A lot of Christians... And I said that this was going to be a gospel message, and I hope that it will be. It might turn out to be more of a message for Christians. But I think what a lot of Christians are doing is they're still trying to get to God on the basis of their own merits. And listen, you should live right. You should live right, but you don't. You don't. You say, how can you tell? Look at your face this morning. Go home today and look in the mirror and see what's on your face. You say, what's that the product of? That's the product of not doing what God told you to do this week. Of course, some of you sitting here and you got a smile on your face and you got joy in your heart. Praise the Lord. You say, where does that come from? Where does that come from? That comes from doing right, from being obedient to the Lord. Thou hast anointed me with the oil of gladness. And in that same passage, he talks about us, thy scepter is a scepter of righteousness. Those two things go together. They go together. You need an advocate, though. You need an advocate, though. You know, there's no way, there's no way that you can approach to a holy God without somebody pleading your case. 
There's no way that some of you folks this morning sitting in here and you're counting on your own good works to get you into the presence of God. And that's why you're so discouraged and so depressed. I'm telling you, boy, if it was left up to me, if it was left up to me to get into the presence of God, I would be run through. I'd be shot. I'd be toast. It'd be over for me. I can't. I can't get in there. But you know what I got? I got an advocate. Jesus Christ the righteous. Let me look here in the first part of the verse in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. He says, my little children. That's who he's talking to. 1 John is written of sorts. It's written really to Christians per se. And that's, there's more to it than that. I, but we're not trying, I'm not trying to give you a doctrinal discourse on this this morning. But this is applicable to Christians. And you know what he says? He says, my little children. My little children. And you know why some folks are not included in the blessing that you find here in 1 John chapter 2? It's because you've never become a little child. Jesus Christ himself said, Except you become as little children and be converted, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. And so a lot of people this morning are not going to the kingdom of God. They have no experience of the kingdom of God. You say, what is that? Joy and peace, righteousness. It's all in the Holy Ghost. That's where it's all at. Romans chapter 14, I believe it is. But you know why some folks are not experiencing that? Because they've never humbled themselves as little children. Yes, sir. You've never become a little child. You know what children do? They take instructions. You know what children are? They're dependent on somebody else for their own care. You know where a lot of your depression and discouragement comes from? It's from you depending on you. Some of you are stoned out of your mind because of this virus. You should be concerned, take precautions, but you're stoned out of your mind. You say, why? Because you depended on you to stay safe. The horse, the horse, book of Proverbs says, the horse is prepared unto the day of battle. Take preparations, but safety is of the Lord. You're going to have to trust God. And if you ain't willing to trust God, keep being depressed. Keep being discouraged. That's the only thing you're going to get out of it. You say, what do I got to do? You're going to have to become like a little child. My little children. He's got something to say to you this morning, but he ain't going to say it if you ain't going to humble yourself like a little child. Unless a man humbles himself as a little child, you ain't got nothing to get from God. The problem, the problem with a lot of Christians is they approach God as a full-grown adult. They approach God as a God themselves. It's a God speaking to the God. That's your attitude that you have about yourself. You say, oh no, not me. Especially you. Especially you. Yes, sir. My little children. You're going to have to quit with this attitude that you're something important. Uh, it was said this past week during revival, Lord, uh, up, in, up there in Delaware, it was said this past week, a lot of people think that when God saved them, he, they were doing God a favor. Boy, God, you really got something when you got me. Horse manure. God didn't get anything when he got you. He got an opportunity for you to glorify him. God did you the favor, bozo. And there's, there's no reason why you sit there with discouragement and sit there with depression. You say, but the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. You ain't unless you are. And you can even get that solved this morning. You can get that settled. But you're not going to get it settled until you become my little children. You're going to have to humble yourself as a little child. When a man takes that attitude, when a man humbles himself as a little child, it's something that sticks with him for the rest of his life. 
I don't understand Christians that take this attitude of, you can't tell me what to do. I don't understand this attitude of Christians taking this mindset, this mentality of, well, I ain't following no man. I don't understand that. You say, why? Because when a man takes the attitude of a, of a little child, when he humbles himself before God and says, God, I'm a sinner. I'm a child. I need some help. Save my soul. That's something that stays with you for the rest of your life. Something that sticks with you. Changes your whole outlook on things. Changes your whole outlook. Yes, sir. I believe what's going on. I believe with all my heart what's going on is that a lot of professing Christians just ain't never been saved. You got churches filled with people all across the country that have come down to an altar and had some kind of emotional, sensational experience, been baptized, gotten to the membership of the church, and they think they're saved. You are lost. You're lost. You're lost. You say, what's going on? You've never been humbled. You've never been humbled. Listen, when I got saved, and I'll tell you just, just as sure flat-footed as I'm standing in front of you this morning, if you ever get saved by the marvelous, matchless grace of God, you're not going to come to God walking down to an altar, chewing bubble gum and hopping and skipping. I don't care what you think about it. I don't care how you feel about it. If you don't approach God with some contrition, something's wrong with your understanding. Now, I grant you, I understand that there are some folks that are just have different personalities. I understand everybody doesn't shed tears when they get saved. I understand those things. People are individuals. But I'm telling you, there's something that awakens in your heart that makes you realize, buddy, I'm a transgressor against God's holy law. I need mercy. I need mercy. Yes, sir. Some of you need to get right here and let me spit on you while I preach. Give you a shower this morning. My little children... My little children, something sticks with a man. It sticks with a man for the rest of his life. You backslide, you get cold on God, get upset about things, whatever, whatever the case may be. Get bitter against folks in church, which is a foolish thing to do, by the way. You say, but they did me wrong. Welcome to the club. That is, listen, let me tell you something. That is the nature of being in church. Somebody is going to do you wrong. You're going to have to learn to get past that. That's called growing up. Ephesians chapter 4. You're going to have to get past that. If you don't, God's never going to use you. That's what a lot of Christians are doing right now. Sucking their thumbs like a bunch of bottle-fed babies because somebody hoit their feelings. I tell you, I tell you, you need worse than your feelings hurt. You better thank God that all they did was scarred you emotionally. Thank God that God ain't put you in hell, man. You got, something to, you got something to be thankful for somewhere along the lines. You say, but they shouldn't have done that. I'm not going to argue with you about that. Maybe they shouldn't, but it'd do you good to get past it. Amen. Amen. My little children. You know where bitterness comes from? Bitterness comes from you having been done wrong. One place where bitterness comes from is from you feeling, feeling like, and sometimes that's all it is. It's just you feel like you've been done wrong. Sometimes... It comes from you feeling like you've been done wrong and then you taking the attitude, well, I didn't deserve that. That's where Job messed up. Job went through all of this stuff through the book of Job and he said, man, I'm righteous. What's God doing this to me for? And when God started talking, you know what God said? God said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Who do you think you are? You say, what's going on? You're going to have to learn to humble yourself. 
Hey, if you're sitting in here this morning and you're lost and on your way to hell, the only reason that you're lost and on your way to hell is because you ain't yet humbled yourself before an eternal God. Yes, sir. You have not admitted that you yet cannot save yourself and turn to God in heaven and said, God, I'll take the payment that your son made. If you're lost in here this morning, that's why you're lost. Yes, sir. You say, what do you got to do? Humble yourself. You say, but you don't know who I am. It don't matter who you are. I'll tell you what, I'll back up and say this. I know exactly who you are. You say, do you do? Yeah, a sinner. Just like the skid row bum. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And some of them skid row bums got more sense than doctors and lawyers got. Yes, sir. You say, why? Because they know where they're at. They know who they are. You don't yet know who you are. You trusting in some sacrament that your church told you to trust in. You trusting in some form of baptism. I tell you, Baptist, Baptist, the Baptist denomination is just as much a religion now as the Roman Catholics and all the rest of the junk. Yes, sir. Get into a church and somebody think that because they get in and feel good with some sensational experience that they're safe. You are lost. If you haven't trusted what Christ did for you at Calvary, you are not saved. I don't care whether you're a member of this church, being a member of a physical organization does not put you in Christ. You say, what puts me in Christ? New birth. New birth. You say, well, man, I just, I can't humble myself that way. Then you'll die in your sins and burn. You'll burn. Don't do it. Humble yourself, man. Humble yourself. There ain't nothing in this world worth dying and going to hell for. There ain't nothing in this world worth dying and going to hell for. Listen, when Jacob talking about this thing of once a man gets touched with that humility, he's never the same. Old Jacob got down there and wrestled with the angel of God down by, the, down by the river one day. And you know, when he got away from that situation, you know what he did for the rest of his life? He walked halt. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jacob worshipped leaning on his staff. I'd say that's right, worship. That's right, worship. You know what some people are doing? They're worshiping, not leaning. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about... But in, in their heart, boy, it's just a heart of pride, man. You say, what's going on? You're not leaning, and you can't worship right. You say, what's got to happen in order for me to worship right? You're going to have to get touched by God. And when God gets a hold of you, you're not going to know who you are no more. Oh, I'm a good fella. I think I'm a pretty good fella, man. I'm, I, I can just work my way to heaven. Really? That angel got down there. That angel got down there with Jacob and said, What's your name? Jacob. You know what Jacob had to do? He had to admit who he was. I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. I'm a scoundrel. I'm no good. And he said, I changed your name. Your name's Israel. Now you're a prince with God. You know what's going on in a lot of churches? Some folks profess to be saved never gotten a wrestling match with, match with God. And so they walk away. They walk away. They walk the same way that they've always walked. No humility. You say, are you saying folks that aren't humble ain't saved? I'm saying it's a possibility. I understand Christians get pride in their heart. I understand you backslid and just get as wicked as the devil. But I'm telling you, there's a grand possibility that really what's going on is you ain't never seen yourself as a sinner and seen your need. And it ain't never broke you. I said it ain't never broke you. 
You know what you need? You need to be broken. That old, that old headstone needs to fall right on you and just crush you into powder. Just grind you right down to just reduce you to nothing. Yes, sir. You come away from God in that condition and, buddy, you'll never, ever, ever, ever be the same. When a preacher stands up and says, you're a scoundrel, you'll say, yeah, that's right, but I'm saved. I've never, I've never sat in a church, I've never sat in a church where a preacher said, you're a low-down, dirty dog and got offended because, hey, man, he's right, but I'm saved. I'm still, I'm a dirty dog. I'm a dirty scoundrel going to heaven. My little children, that's who he's talking to. My little children, these things write I unto you. For what purpose? That you sin not. You know it's still the will of God that you don't sin. You say, but I'm going to. I know, but that don't change the fact that it's the will of God for you not to sin. I'm looking, Brother Nathan, I'm looking for the will of God for my life. I'll tell you what it is. Quit sinning. Hey, get rid of that country music. I was up there preaching in Delaware and I made a pot shot at contemporary Christian music. And boys, mm -hmm. you say, what's going on? Folks, listen to that stuff acting like it's okay. It ain't okay. God's never, listen, God has never looked at something that the devil said and said, I think that's a pretty good idea. I'll use that in the church. It ain't right. Amen. Yes, sir. It's not God's will for you to sin. And listen, Quit acting like sin ain't so sinful. Mm -hmm. That's the problem with that contemporary Christian music garbage. That's something that's unclean and people acting like it's clean. Well, it's got lyrics about God in it. Well, listen, man, there's country music and rock and roll music that's got uh, lyrics about your wife or your girlfriend. I don't make it okay. Quit messing with that junk. Quit messing with it. And let me tell you something. God knows you're messing with it. God knows that you're messing with it. And I'm telling you, you don't have to worry about no preacher coming down to your house and putting a microscope on your life and saying, oh, you better not do that. The Holy Ghost will go home with you and deal with you about that garbage. Quit that mess. Preachers, quit preaching on that because we want to bring it into our church. We want life in our church. And you ain't got nothing but, you ain't got nothing but dead men's bones hanging around your church. It's a bunch of garbage, a bunch of phooey. I write unto you that you sin not. I don't know why, but I'm going to hang out there for a second. I don't know if I feel resistance or just a little bit of leadership from the Holy Ghost, but either way, we'll go with it. Resistance sometimes almost feels like the leadership of the Holy Ghost. I sometimes have a hard time getting those two things discerned. But I'll tell you what, what's going on in a lot of churches is that stuff's being brought in because we want to bring in a bigger crowd. We want to bring in the more of the young people. And the preacher get up there and let the young people come in and let the young people determine how the church is supposed to roll. And in about five years, the church is dead as a hammer because the preacher's got to start compromising what he's preach, preaching to keep the young people around. You made your own set of problems, doofus. Just preach the truth to begin with. Just preach the truth to begin with. I write these things unto you that you sin not. Quit sinning. Hey, if you're in the middle of shacking up with somebody, quit it. Hey, if you're in the middle of drinking beers on a regular basis, knock it off. If you're in the middle of, in the middle of uh, smoking dope and doing cocaine, you say, there ain't nobody in church that would do that. You'd be surprised, honey. Especially right here in Folkestone. Especially right here in Folkestone. Of course, it ain't, it ain't illicit drugs no more. Now it's pills. 
Mm -hmm. Quit that mess. These things right unto you that you sin not. I tell you, I tell you why that stuff's got a, such a stronghold in your life. It's because it's because you ain't looking at what he's writing unto you. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These two are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. That works both ways. Man that's spiritual, he minds, he minds the things of the spirit. Man that's carnal, you know what he, he minds? You know what he thinks about? Carnal things. Things of the flesh. You say, well, why, why do I have such a big problem dealing with this sin? Why do I have such a problem dealing with all this stuff that I'm dealing with? It's because you ain't giving yourself to spiritual things. You ain't reading your Bible. You're not praying. You're not witnessing. You're not telling anybody about Jesus. You're not coming to church on a regular basis. I'm just worried about the virus. Listen, let me tell you something, honey. There's folks in here this morning that are worried about the virus, and they're here. You ain't got no excuse. I understand. I fully understand. We've been through this in this church before. I fully understand. If you are genuinely concerned and you have a physical ailment to where you feel like it's necessary before you stay home, help yourself. But that ain't most people. It's just an excuse for you to be lazy, for you to be an old sack towards God. Yes, sir. Good day. Said it with a smile. Praise the Lord. That's right. I write these things unto you that you sin not. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, preached about it a couple of weeks ago. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Listen, God doesn't soften His stance towards sin just because you do. He said, I am the Lord, I change not. Everything that God hated 4,000 years ago, He still hates today, and He'll hate it in the millennium. He'll hate it in eternity. I am the Lord, I change not. God is the eternal God. You know what that word eternal means? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. You know, we live in a closed system. In this, in this world that you live in, you look at all these elements, all this stuff that you see, it's made up of things that do not appear, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. But if you destroy something, it's not really destroyed, it just changes forms. You know, you take these blocks and you crush them up and they go back to the dirt where they came from. That's right. You take heat and it dissipates and it goes back out into the atmosphere. You don't ever really destroy it. It just kind of changes one form to another. But you know what? God has never changed. God is constant. God is the same. God never diminishes. God never loses any of His power. He never loses any of His strength. The Bible says, in Him we live and move and have our being. God is the same as far as His power goes. He's the same as far as His, His character goes. He's the same today as He was before He slung the worlds into existence. He's the same. He's the same. He's the same. He's the eternal God. Let me tell you something. God still hates a proud look. Still hates a proud look. When you get up to do something for the Lord and you ex exercise a proud look, God hates that mess. When you get ready to go home and do something and start dealing with your family and you deal with a proud look, God hates it just the same. God still hates a lying tongue. He sure do. He sure do. You say, you're talking about lying about your church brethren? No, we'll get to there in just a second. 
This is all out of Proverbs chapter 6, by the way, I believe starting in verse 19. He hates a lying tongue. You say, well, it wasn't malicious. Who cares? It's still a lie. <clears throat> liar. Liar, liar, paints on fire. God hates it. God hates hands that shed innocent blood. Boy, there's a lot of doctors going to be in trouble. A lot of doctors are in trouble. And let me tell you something. If you're complicit with that mess, you're in trouble. Yes, sir. Abortion. It's a woman's right. Hogwash. You had rights before you crawled in bed, doofus. You had the right to exercise the right decision. And let me tell you something. Just because that stuff shows up on television, not abortion, but hands that shed innocent blood, just because that stuff shows up on television and you look at it and don't estimate it to be all that bad because it's fake, the Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 1 or chapter 2, God said, I hate those that have pleasure in those things and those people that do these things. I ain't never shed anybody's blood. Yeah, but you watch NCIS and all this law and order. Let me tell you something. The last time I ever watched one of those shows, there was, it was, boy, I was grieved about this. I was watching one of those shows, and they, were, they had this hour-long episode about a woman being abused, being violated. Boy, you talk about being grieved. You, you go home and watch that. Well, I just, I like, I like criminal activity. I like to watch that stuff, and I like to watch them put all that stuff together. God said, I hate that stuff. You, would, you wouldn't ever have the guts to do something like that yourself. Of course, I hope you wouldn't if you're in a good church that's preaching the devil out of you every week. I hope you wouldn't have enough guts to do that. But, buddy, you sure sit at home and watch that stuff on television and then try and justify yourself by being entertained by that slop. That's right. That's right, whether you like it or not. You say, what should I do? Turn that mess off. Let me see. There's a verse in here. Let me see. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, boy, we're really getting down now, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, you know, there's some things that are true, but they're just not a good report. If there be any virtue, any virtue in law and order, I don't find much. I don't find much obedience to the truth. I don't find much power on those TV shows. <clears throat> oh, Brother Nathan, we can't do anything. You do whatever you want to do. That's between you and the Lord. All I'm telling you is it ain't right for you to be influenced by that stuff. Ain't no wonder you come to church stoned out of your mind. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. How about you just think on things that are right? Let me ask you, Brother Spike, man, Brother Spike said this several Sunday schools ago, and it stuck with me ever since. What's wrong with just doing right? What's wrong with just thinking about the Bible? That's not how we look at it, though. You know how we look at it? We look at it in the aspect of what can I get away with? How close to the line of immorality can I get before the Lord says or does something to me? I don't believe, I mm, I have to be careful there. I'm not so sure about you. 
You think I'm lost? I'm not sure. I just, I'm going to just leave it at that. I'm not sure. Listen, I know this. I know, I know that a man that's born again, there's something somewhere deep down in his heart that wants to please God. Men backslide. Men get cold on God. And I know that there's a grand possibility that you haven't done that. You can turn out looking like you lost. First, First Corinthians chapter 5. That's a man in the church that's committing fornication. It's happening, happening years ago. Still going on, by the way. Yes, sir. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, boy. It'd make you wonder about that kind of a guy. I don't want anybody to wonder about me. I want people to know where I stand. I want people to know that, man, I'm as saved as saved can get. Not perfect. I'm not perfect. I got plenty of faults, but I'm not trying to flaunt those things to you. Keep them to myself. Yes, sir, hands that shed innocent blood. Wicked imaginations. Wicked imaginations. God got over there to Ezekiel. I believe it's in chapter 8. And he said, son of man, he said, come over here and look here in these chambers of their imagery. And he, see, he said, look at what abominations they're putting up on the wall. And so now you go into the average American's home and there's this big abomination that's sitting on the wall. 48 inches, 52 inches, 68 120, 156 inches. I don't know. I don't know how big they are. So you're telling us that we can't have a TV in our house? I'm not saying anything of the kind. What I am saying is you better watch what comes across there. You better keep it on a tight leash. And if you can't, Bring it to the church. We'll have a heyday with a couple of shotguns. Or just take it to a pawn shop. Yes, sir. You say, what's going on? That's a place where wicked imaginations can be seen. And that don't even have to be on your television. Brother Glenn Stalker was at, uh, he was at Revival last week, and he said he went to a church across I was going to say across town, it's across Texas, and he went there for a men's retreat, and the preacher pulled, the preacher, pastor of that church pulled out his phone and said, all right, fellas, he said, how many of you fellas, room full of fellas, he said, how many of you fellas look at dirty pictures on your phone? He said, two-thirds of the fellas raised their hand. More common than you think it is. You say, what is that? That's wicked imaginations. God hates that stuff. God hates it. God despises it. Yes, sir, God hates it. Feet that be swift and run into mischief. You old busybody. Just got to get in other men's matters and just, just get in stuff that ain't none of your cotton-picking concern. And then when you get there, stir the pot. Just stir the pot. You know how you stir the pot? With that long tongue. Just talking about stuff that don't need to be talked about. You say, but I'm right. Who cares? Shut up anyway. Yes, sir. I write these things unto you that you sin not. How about a false witness? Boy, there's been so much false witness in with all of this stuff going on with this virus by preachers. You say, what are you talking about? Preachers talking about stuff they ain't got no idea what's going on. I've been guilty of that in this church. I don't know if I've stood up and apologized for it, but I have certainly tried to change the direction of that thing. Come in here and all you spew out is conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy. You know what I found out? That stuff started affecting the atmosphere in here. 
You know what I did? I came back in here one, one, one day after one of those services and I said, God, I'm sorry. This is not a place to spill out conspiracy. Yes, sir. You say, but you did it. It was wrong nonetheless. Do you realize that a pastor can be wrong? You know what the pastor's got to do? He's got to own up to it and say, hey, that was incorrect. Change his direction. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. False witness. Look at a little piece of bit of news here. You, you do realize that the news media is only lying every time they open their mouth. That's all. The only time that they tell the truth is when they shut their mouths. You say, I watch Fox News Network. Mm. Big whoop. But I'm telling you, a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers, a lot of Christians are thinking because I get my information from Fox News, it's got to be right. All you're doing is spreading lies in your church, man. Just shh. I tell you what you do, go open your Bible. Go open your Bible and talk about that stuff down at the workplace. Somebody say, well, man, the COVID has, has had a recent breakout. Hey, yeah, I know, but let me talk to you about what the Lord showed me in the Scriptures yesterday morning while I was reading my Bible. Sure would cheer you up, wouldn't it? Woohoo! Praise the Lord! God's still revealing stuff. Much better than sitting around with a long face. Listen, I'm not trying. Listen, I'm not trying. When I start talking about this stuff, you can almost feel the temperature of the church starting to cool off. I, I don't know if you think that maybe I'm trying to make light of it. I ain't trying to make light of it. All I'm telling you is that you got your head in the sand when it comes to spiritual things, and you're more in tune with what's going on in this world than you are with what's going on in heaven. Time for you to get your, get your eyes where they belong. You say, but we've got to live in this world. Live in it. Do what you've got to do. Be prepared. Take precautions. Do what you've got to do. But be a Christian while you're doing it. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I write these things unto you that you sin not, that you sin not. God still hates it. God hates a sower of discord. Yes, sir. You know what discord is? You know what some, who, who, who somebody is that sows discord? That's somebody that finds a disagreement between two parties and monopolizes on it. Just sit there and pick. Just peck at it like an old hen. You say, what is that? That's sowing discord. God said, I hate somebody that sows discord among brethren. Not the brethren, among brethren. You know what Thomas Jefferson understood? You know what he said? He said, the thing that's going to tear this country apart is this party spirit, this Republican, and uh, I don't remember the other, the other party that was there. Oh, Federalist, Republican and Federalist. He said, that mentality of being, you people are on this side and these people are on this side, he said, that's going to tear this country apart. He said, I hate that. You say, why? Because people are not interested in truth. You get that attitude, people are not interested in the truth. What people are interested in is, what team are you on? It's in church. What team are you on? What do you believe about Old Testament salvation? Which is important, by the way. I'm not going to say that it ain't important. Some preachers say that it's not important. It is important. I don't know any part of my Bible that is not essential. It's all important. What team are you on? What do you believe about the gap theory? Well, listen, if we disagree with that, can't you have grace with me? I can have a little grace with you. I believe I'm right. 
So you don't, if you don't agree with me, that's okay. We can manage. You're not on my team. We can't go to church with each other. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. You saved? Are you in Christ? Did you get saved by trusting what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary? Okay, then you minister to me and I'll minister to you. We edify each other according to Ephesians chapter 4. You know, if I believe in the gap theory, which I don't, but if I believe in the gap theory and you don't, there's a possibility that if we talk about that and we don't get our feathers ruffled over and over again, you might be able to change my mind or I might be able to change yours. What a novel thought. That, I thought that's what Christians were supposed to do. You can't go to camp meetings now and talk about doctrine because preachers get their panties in a wad. Oh, you don't believe in the gap theory? I can't have no fellowship with you. Well, wait a second. How about let's sit down and let's talk about it? How about let's talk about it and let's figure out who's right and who's wrong? And if we get done with that and we figure out that we just can't agree, then okay, fine. But at least we tried to convince each other of our views. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong, ain't they? Okay, well, can't we sit down and talk about it at least with an open Bible, not with an open commentary? care what your teachers have told you. I care what the book says. Can't do that now at camp meetings. You can't do that now at fellowship meetings. Why well, do we just want to leave all that stuff behind? And that's why your church is falling apart. Praise the Lord. Pass the ammunition. Anyways, that was a song out of the 40s. I know nobody's spiritual that you ain't never heard that. I write these things unto you that you sin not. And listen what he said. He said, if any man sin. You know what that is? That's self-judgment. That's self-judgment. Let me ask you something. Do men sin? Do you? That's where the heart of the issue is. I know Brother Spike sins. I could name them. That's not the question. Do you? Do I? Are you a sinner? Well, I, I know that Jesus died for the world. I know that Jesus died for the sins of the world. That's great. He did. What about your sins? My, my sins? I, I don't have any sins. Okay, then you're not, you can't, you can't get any benefit from what the Lord did for you. If any man sin. You know what it does? It levels the playing field. It takes all men and places them on a common plane. Whether you're a doctor or whether you're a skid row bum, drunk in the gutter. Whether you're a Sunday school teacher or whether you're a reprobate. Whether you're a preacher. You believe there's some preachers that are lost? Absolutely. Absolutely. Martin Luther King, Jr., you say, <laughs> you say you believe they was lost? Martin Luther King, one of his college papers, he denied the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. That was what it, the subject of his paper was on, essentially. Civil rights, huh? You in a mess just because a fellow wears a suit and a tie and calls himself a preacher and you think... Man, he's got to be saying the truth. He's a heretic. Skin color. No, it ain't. It's about the truth. 
What's going on down deep in that heart, my friend? What's going on down deep in that heart if any man sin? God's already judged you as a sinner. God didn't, Jesus Christ didn't come to do that necessarily. That was already so in John chapter 3. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. The world's condemned already. It's condemned before Jesus Christ ever showed up. You know what Jesus Christ came to do? Jesus Christ came to do what you could not. You couldn't provide your own salvation, so Jesus Christ provided it on your behalf. All you've got to do is reach out and take it by faith. Just believe that what Christ did for you is sufficient to pay the price. Yes, sir. Save you from beating your head up against the wall. If any man sin, we've got an advocate with, G with the Father. And let me tell you something. You need an advocate with the Father. Let me just scratch a little itch here for just a second. When I pray, I don't pray to Jesus. I understand. I understand that they're one and the same. Trinity, one person. It's one person, one God. I understand that. But when I pray, I pray to the Father. Through the merits of Jesus Christ. And then there's somebody interceding on my behalf. You say, who's that? Jesus. You know, what, you know what the thing is and the person, you know who the person is that grants that connection between me and the Father? The Holy Ghost. The whole Trinity's involved in my praying, but I pray to the Father. I don't pray to Jesus. I don't pray to the Holy Ghost. I don't pray to the Holy Ghost. I understand Christian just got saved, person just got saved, and people pray and they say, Oh, Holy Ghost, please, Holy Spirit, please come by and visit with us. And I understand, I understand what people are saying, but in a technical sense, I don't need an advocate with the Son. I don't need an advocate with the Holy Ghost. I need an advocate with the Father. That's who Jesus Christ the righteous is. Listen, the person that you offended was not your mama. You may have done that a time or two. She let you know, too, if she had any sense. Praise the Lord. Praise God she did that. But the person you offended was not your mom and not your daddy, not your grandma. God. God the Father. God made known His law to you and said, this is what my expectations are. And you said, Pfft. or you set out to do it and you couldn't meet up to His expectations. So you know what you need? You need somebody to advocate on your behalf. You need somebody to go plead your case on your behalf. You know why Jesus Christ can be your advocate? You know why he can plead your case? Because he's Jesus Christ the righteous. He has no case of his own to advocate for. If I stand, listen, if I stand before the judgment bar of some judge and I've got things that I've got to deal with myself, I'm not going to be very qualified to try and argue on somebody else's behalf. But you know what? If I'm spotless, if I'm clean, if I've lived up to the letter and to the spirit of the law, but it's, very, it's much easier, it's much more justifiable for me to go before the judge and say, hey, I took care of all of that for them. And that judge can look at it and say, okay, price has been paid. You know what's going on with a lot of professing Christians? You've tried to pay your own price. And that's why you're discouraged. That's why you're upset. That's why you're downhearted. It's because the price has not been imputed on your behalf. But all I'm telling you this morning is that the price has been paid by Jesus Christ the righteous. You say, what do I got to do to receive that? Just trust Him. 
Just look at it. God said, listen, God said, whether you estimate it to be true or not, God said, he looked at it, what his son did at Calvary, and he said, that's enough. That's enough to satisfy my demands, to satisfy the, the demands of my law. That's enough. That's sufficient. You know what's left? You've got to agree with God. Now you have to look at what Jesus Christ did and say, I believe that that's enough. That's what I'm counting on. Are you counting on that this morning? I hope you are. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to give you a brief moment of invitation this morning. If you're in here and you lost this morning, why don't you come down here to an old altar and let somebody take a Bible and show you how you can know that your sins are forgiven. Would you do that? Would you come down here and let somebody just open up the Scriptures and, and show you how Jesus Christ paid everything for you? Listen, I don't see anybody in here that hasn't been in church for just about... I don't know, for quite some time at least. You probably already know how to get saved if you're sitting in here and lost this morning. Why don't you come? Why don't you make today the day that you just come to an old-fashioned altar and just trust Christ as your Savior? Maybe you're sitting in here this morning and you're saved. You know you're saved. Maybe God spoke to you. Maybe it's been, been a long time since, God's, since you've thanked the Lord for what He's done for you at Calvary. Would you do that this morning? Whether you come to an altar or whether you sit in your seat, would you thank God for what he did for you at Calvary? Lord God, as we have a little moment of invitation here, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd speak and deal with hearts. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for what you did for us at Calvary. Thank you, Lord, God, for the price that's been paid, God, that we couldn't pay by our own power. God, pray that you'd minister to hearts this morning. We'll thank you for